We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For, for Conor McGregor, we all know he's the biggest draw in UFC. I cannot speak for him, but hear, hearing what he says in the, in the interview... It looks to me that he's aware of what's going on. And even Connor is the most well-remunerated fighter in the organization. He still doesn't have his fair share of what he should have. Um, you know, look, many, many fighters are, in, are, are not in a great um, situation. I am blessed. But I feel um, it is important to... To, to, to bunch together and support each other. You know, it's a dangerous, crazy business we are in. We get in and risk everything. Uh, maybe in the future. Right now, I've got to focus on myself. That might, that might be selfish, but this is the position I'm in right now. I have a lot going on. I've got to focus on my own self right now. But in the future, maybe I will help spearhead something like that. If, 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 it, if it is presented correctly, I wouldn't just jump in if it wasn't going to be done right. Y'all know me. My name is McManus. I joined this union some 20 odd years ago. But now, sir, for what am I to tell my eight-year-old boy when he comes to me and he says, Daddy, Daddy, what's that thing? What am I to tell him, sir? We're here. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen... You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code 
T-H-E-C-O-R-N-E-R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Shout out to the sponsors once again. We are back for another week of the Corner Podcast. I'm here enjoying myself. Andreas Hale is here. We had a dope weekend, some good boxing, gearing up for some UFC this week. Also, there's a WWE pay-per-view, like every other weekend, so what's new, right? So a lot of stuff to recap today. But last week, it was Thanksgiving. We kind of got lost in all that stuff, talking about good food, family atmosphere, and everything. And we forgot to touch on Kanye West losing his damn mind. Andreas, yo, I know you had opinions on this. Kanye used to be your boy. Not Calabasas <laughs> Kanye, Backpack Kanye. And we didn't even touch on it. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it, man. It's it's really tough um, from my perspective because we're in a really sensitive society. So if I say anything negative, they're going to say, oh, you're shaming him for having mental issues. But I just find it weirdly convenient that this is taking precedence over his Donald Trump comments and he's got a sneaker coming out. Um, why, you know, I'm not saying that he, he doesn't have mental health issues. I feel like a lot of people have mental health issues. And... The fact that, uh, you know, people are using this to absolve some of the crazy things that, well, I don't even know if they're crazy. It's just some of the Kanye things that he said. Um, I mean, the dude the dude has needed help for a long time. This is like nothing that's revolutionary for Kanye West. So him checking himself into a mental health facility or being checked into one and whatever the hell is going on. You know, I'm in the entertainment business. So a lot of the times I know a lot of the code for some of the things that's being said to equal drugs. I'm not saying Kanye's on drugs, but I'm saying Kanye's on drugs. I don't know which <laughs> one it is, but there's always something that goes along with it. a lot of these things. There's a lot of code and doublespeak. So I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, hopefully he's okay. You know, same thing with the, the whole Kid Cudi thing. Um, but I tend to stray. Like I was going to write something on Lil Wayne and Kanye West being our heroes and saying asinine shit. But then I was like, you know what? This whole mental health thing with Kanye, I'm just going to leave it alone because I don't want to, you know, have the PC police after me. Word. I mean, at this point, if he was just saying random shit, it'd be okay. He's now doing random shit. Like, just bouncing yeah. on a concert full of people that paid mad money to watch you, that's just next level. Yeah, and I mean, you don't... A regular person doesn't get that kind of uh, leeway. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I have mental health issues and, you know, I decide to no call, no show my job, I probably get fired. You know what I'm saying? Like it's but because Kanye is a celebrity and he's kind of lived out his life in public. And we are all aware that he lost his mother years ago, which we all know as has played a toll on him. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of passes given, you know, and I, I, I don't want mental health issues to become the new excuse when you fuck up. Like, that's what I don't want. I don't want cats to say something stupid and be like, yo, I got to play the mental health issue card. Not saying Kanye's doing that. It just seems like a very convenient excuse that may be catching fire because it is an under-service conversation in our community when we talk about depression and things of that nature in, in the African-American community. So now I hope it's not being overexposed and now everybody's going to be having mental health issues. Yeah, because it, it, like you said, it's something that needs to be addressed in many people, and it's kind of taboo in the culture and getting help. And uh, um, you watch Insecure, right? And going to counseling talk, and all that can stuff. Can we talk about Insecure? Like, after we talk about okay, can we talk about this? Guy? <laughs> I feel like it's everywhere. Everybody's been talking about it. Yo, it blew but, up quick, too, because my yeah. moms told me to watch it like three weeks ago. I was like, all right, I'll give the show a run. Not that many episodes. I was like, cool. Throw on the HBO. It's short. Um, kind of like Atlanta was, so it's quick to get through the episodes, and then next thing you know, everyone's talking about it. Yeah, um, 
Not yet, but Kanye, Kanye's getting help, allegedly. Uh, he's getting paid for that help by all reports. So he's getting multiple millions of dollars for checking into this facility, which then just l- lends the credibility of it. Like, yeah, like, okay, I, I don't know if it's for truly him getting help or for PR purposes or for a paycheck. The Kardashian syndrome is always looming in the background. Do they do anything that's not profitable? Um, Lamar right. Odom was on his deathbed. They're recording this shit. So I'm, I, can't, I can't call it. And now reports that he wants to turn his hospital room into a studio. Like, if you ain't giving me some real through the wire type type fire shit, I don't need to hear it. I, I don't yeah, need to yeah. hear just another just horrible Yeezus style album from the from the hotel room. I'll wait. Yeah, I mean, and it's I don't know. You know, again, some cats may make better you know music when they're in strife. Like we talk about Joe Budden, we talk about people like that, but. To, to have, like, public information that Kanye wants to build a studio in the room where he's supposed to be getting mental health help is, it just seems, again, it's really convenient. And it's like, I'm not that type of guy. Like, anybody that knows me know I don't, I don't live my entire life on social media and in the public, and I never would. So when I see things like this happen, I always question the motivation. Like, well, what are you trying to do? Like, with the Kardashians, some people feel sorry for them. I don't. This is how you make your living. Like, it's not—they're not doing this because they're being forced to. They're doing this because they're getting paid to. So it's a big difference. No, yeah, it's—let's oh, hope—you know, if Kanye does have a problem, if, if he can get it fixed, if it's, you know, more than— just you know the loss of his mother or something like that which which i completely understand and people grieve for longer times but if it is like drug related or alcohol related or substance related whatever it may be hopefully you can clear that up and we see a difference because there there's a clear difference in his music after a certain point if yeah. that has to do with substances a la like an eminem when he started doing weird ass um i, I guess voices and and craziness on his music if we can clear that up and get some good Kanye music back out of this, especially in a time where we need it, not some pro Donald Trump shit, but some real music that we can get to the masses, um, it's definitely a blessing in disguise. Yeah, if that's the case. I mean, Eminem's made a lot of, I mean, Eminem did drugs for a long time. So he made a lot of dope music while he was doing drugs. A lot of our great musicians and artists we're, we're druggies. I mean, yeah, but shit gets to a point where they just fall off the edge, and Lil Wayne as well. Like, yeah, but you know, too the, many the, drugs the, is not good. In the case of Kanye West, I don't know if this necessarily has to do his music has anything to do with his mental stability. I just think his music just has been trash, and that's just my opinion because mad people are gonna come for me when I say that. But again, I think this version of Kanye has been trash, and that I don't think it has anything to do with whatever he's doing in life. I just feel like. He's so far removed from the Kanye who used to be grounded as a college dropout or very interested in in bringing underground hip-hop to prominence. I think he's so far removed from that and in this artsy fashion Kanye that he makes this aggro rap music like and adopts the styles of the Travis Scott's because he doesn't really have time for music like he used to. I don't think he has as many... He doesn't have the time to put his hands and his fingerprints on everything like he used to. People will argue me down and say, like, Kanye is the greatest producer of all time, but, you know, he's kind of reaching that Dr. Dre stage where it's not really Kanye making all this music. He's tweaking the knobs and turning the dials, but it's not the same, and you can hear it. You can hear other people's influence on his, on his music now. It's not the same. Shout out to Chance. 
Right. Like you listen. To, I mean, if you listen to the coloring book and you listen to Kanye's album, a couple of those songs, which Chance has said, were supposed to be for his album. So these are it's just these things that you kind of that you see. And I, I don't know if Kanye's music is ever going to change for the better. I think that that Kanye ship has sailed a long time ago. Yeah, definitely. Um, before you get to combat sports insecure, I'm guessing you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's been black season on television. We and this year we got a, a lot of good shows that focus on different uh, dimensions of African Americans, and, and Insecure was one of them. Uh, Issa Rae, who I'm actually reading her book now, which is it's actually really good. She has a book. Yeah, she's got a book. I mean, she had she a series. Does everything. Yeah, she had Awkward Black Girl. She had her, um, you know, her YouTube series. And now she, she, I mean, she has a book, and now she has the show. Um, it just showed a different, uh, unique view of. Uh, black relationships, and it's not the love and hip hop. It, like, I was joking with Mecca from Two Dope Boys, and he was like, "If this was a Mona Scott Young show, it'd be completely different." Which is true. We got to see something, some angles that are completely different when we head into the season finale. And if you haven't watched it by now, I don't, I can't, I can't even give you a spoiler alert because everybody's talking about it. You should know <laughs> what happened. Yeah, nah, it's um, it's crazy. It's more real than reality television. Yeah, definitely. so it's cor- it's correct. Uh, the, the finale was bananas. Just by the way, people don't do what they do in the finale. Like all men aren't like that. Like she just turned a real good brother bad. Um, but you know, shout out to it, it was surprising. It was funny. Uh, the whole series is funny. Um, like you said, just in a real way. And yeah. it's good to see like you know good black television and just a, a good representation during times like these. You know, start with Blackish, and then we get Atlanta. We get this. Um, just stuff we can relate to, real life situations, and it's spreading, which is dope. And it's skewing yeah. younger, and you know, just having that creative license to do things where you know, early '90s television gave to some young, prominent white actors. We're getting the same license now, which is is really dope. And it, you know, it led to shows like Seinfeld and all that other stuff that where you're just like, yo, they just gave you a show and like, here, be yourself. Go out there and tell your story. And then now yeah. we're, we're, we're getting that same thing um, given to us. It, it's really cool. Yeah, so the, so the debate has been Team Lawrence. Um, Lawrence is a guy, those who haven't watched the show, Lawrence is Issa Rae's boyfriend. And uh, in the beginning, he's kind of a, a dud of a relationship. Uh, he, he screws up her birthday. Um, he doesn't seem too involved. He's unemployed. He's, you know, basically on the couch every day. Not very involved. And as things progress, Issa Rae, essentially is, is grown weary of it and looks to scratch her itch elsewhere. Whether on purpose or by accident, that's what happens. Um, she runs into a high school crush, and Lawrence finds out. And, and Lawrence, this is the transition. He goes from being unemployed to working at Best Buy to working for a tech company. Um, he's looking to change his life for the better, but it's the way, you know, steps out on him. Now, there are women out there that say that he deserved to be cheated on. I'm not of that, that, that mentality. I don't believe anybody deserves to be cheated on. You should leave. <laughs> you could never be deserve to be cheated on. Like, what kind of stuff is that? Like, yo, you're boring. You deserve to be cheated on. No, you deserve to not be with me. And yeah, that's and, the case. And the reality of the situation is, you know, people cheat to find something that is not being given to them. Now, the funny part about this is Lawrence not was getting— Not the case. Sometimes yeah. people cheat off of boredom. Yeah, people. There, there's a number of reasons why people happy cheat. people cheat. It's a damn. It's a sad fact. Happy people cheat. 
And the reason that Issa stepped out, which was, which was well done, because he didn't do it in the midst of Lawrence messing up. She did it when he was on his rise. And the fact that that, that happened and Lawrence ended up finding out. And in the season finale, spoiler alert, hit mute. I don't know what you got to do. Um, <laughs> he calls Issa to, you know, to find out once he's coming home. And she rushes home, but Lawrence is no longer there, leaves the Best Buy in there like Talisa's wedding dress, leaves the Best Buy shirt in the <laughs> closet, and then uh, is, is banging the bank teller who was giving him rhythm and, and showing interest in things that he wasn't getting from Israe. Not to say that he's going to be in a relationship, but he stepped out. Now, people were like, Lawrence is a bad dude for doing this, but I feel like, yo, if you cheated, all bets are off. Yeah, that's too shit. That's an eye for an eye. But at least he gave, like, a clue, like, yo, I'm kind of leaving you. Yeah, like so he, he didn't cheat. He was like, yeah, nah, yeah. here's the Best Buy shirt. This is my sign. You know, it's a wrap. Um, I moved on from this. I got better. So here, you have this me. This is the me you cheated on. This is me. I'm going to leave you. Let me go out. Let me smash this bank teller as a celebration of my newfound singleness. Yeah, now, Nothing granted, wrong with that. granted, you know, the, the, the poor bank teller is going to be collateral damage in season two because obviously Lawrence is not going to be with her. Um, and it's going to be an issue where her feelings are going to get hurt. And it doesn't make Lawrence all the way right because he took advantage of this girl being smitten with him. Um, but the people who are saying that Lawrence was wrong and Issa Rae was right, that's not how this works. She cheated. She got caught. No matter who he stepped out with or how he stepped out, he didn't step out. Because he, he told she her it was over. With. Yeah, she, he told her when she showed up at the job, it was over. So y'all y'all women out there that, that keep saying Lawrence is wrong, yeah, I just realized that y'all ain't shit. So, <laughs> and there's a reason why some of y'all are not in relationships. Yeah, women, women love to see women cheat. They hate when men cheat. They love when women cheat. Well, because a lot of people feel like, you know, a lot of men get passes, which is true. There is a double standard in society about men cheating versus women cheating. So when women do see women cheat, you know, you can look at it and say, well, I'm glad they showed that side of it. But don't try to make it seem like Issa was right for doing what she did. She was still wrong. You just got to see it because y'all women been doing dirt for just as long as men do. Women are so much better at doing it, too. That's the only part I was like, come on, really? Like, he found out. It's like, yo, if a woman cheats, she'll take that shit to the grave. You hardly ever find out. It, it got to go through some unnecessary, wild-ass communication for you to find out. Like, the dude literally probably got to just hit her up on the daily. Like, doesn't even care about you for you to find out. Because women cheat and cheat well. Yeah. It's the yeah, like, like, Listen, women cheating, we, we all grown here on the podcast. We've all been through some stuff. Women cheating is the worst cheating ever. I don't care. Double standards. Call me whatever you want. When a woman cheats, that's crushing. When a guy cheats, you know, it, it happens sometimes. It, it, it's expected, unfortunately. You know, I, I'm... We grow up later than women. Women know better and still do the shit. Yeah. It, I mean, it happens. It's, it's not... It is what it is, but I, all this to say, I enjoyed the season finale and the dialogue that it started. Um... But like I said, when I saw some of the reactions on social media, I was like, some of y'all ain't shit. And yo, I've come to realize that. Just, yo, it's probably a couple days late, but officially I just tweeted some shit out. It was either him or Nigel. Um, and they tweeted it out, and they were like, how many women here have cheated and didn't get caught? And is that really cheating if you don't get caught? And they were like, not cheating. It's like all this shit. And they just mad women were cheating. And I was like, damn. It's like, one, Twitter ain't shit. Two women on Twitter ain't shit. Like, <laughs> that was just so crazy. 
Like, I, yeah. it's an epidemic out there right now. No cheating in 2017. Let, let's make a pact as people. We got yeah. Trump. There's enough pain. No cheating on your spouse in 2017. Let's be happy, people. It's, it's crazy. So let's talk about what we came to talk about. <laughs> We're still talking about crazy shit, you know, sadly. Uh, McGregor gets a boxing license. Keep, eh. keep rolling. Keep rolling with the. Here goes Floyd Mayweather. McGregor talks. Um, it's posturing, right? It, it's Connor being Connor. Yeah, it's this Connor is, uh... wanting shares in the company and making a loose threat that he can do something else, which isn't the case. Yeah, this is exactly what that is. This is this is posturing and positioning. Um, a California boxing license is not going to land you a Floyd Mayweather fight because Floyd Mayweather fights in Nevada. Um, but, you know, in all fairness, you know, this is, is it's newsworthy. Connor knows what he's doing. He's not a dummy. But if anybody banging the drum that says this inches us closer to a uh, McGregor fight, McGregor Mayweather fight, you're stupid. Uh, this, this is the nothing but rile up the fans of Conor McGregor. And, you know, if he's going to try to make... I don't even know what kind of threats he can make to WME at this point um, because they still hold his contract and they're still going to have to allow him to face Floyd Mayweather. So there's, there's, there's really nothing here but a lot of people talking. And usually, and sometimes in this society, talking is what gets things done. So maybe it could inch closer in that, with that narrative, but... It's, it's it's a boxing license in California. So what? Does it, it like Nick Diaz have one too? Yeah, Nick and Nick, I believe. Um, yeah. And once again, you still have to get sanctioned for a fight. So you have to find a common opponent in skill level. They're not going to throw someone who is 0 and 0 in there against someone who's 50, 49 and 0. Um, but even going past that, like, you know, Connor's just going to use it as another example of whatever I do is headline worthy. Yeah. Like, I, I can go and just streak through the fucking streets of California, and it's going to make every major news station. Or I can do something as simple as pay $30 for a boxing license, and it's going to make worldwide news. And this is why you have to pay me. So it's not that he ever intends on using it. And there was, like, a stat put out by um, one of the MMA journalists that was, like, 30,000 fighters a year apply for a boxing license. It might have been Brett um, at ESPN, and he was like, the only one that gets national attention is Conor McGregor. That's what he wants. He's like, there's 30,000 other people that can do this. I'm the only one that's a headline. Pay me. So, I mean, it, it's good posturing. Um, Leonard Ellerby came out and gave quotes about it and said there's never going to be a fight between Conor and Floyd Mayweather. I'm not sure if that's good on his end. Because um, the, chatter, the chatter is newsworthy. The chatter only benefits Floyd and Conor. I'm not sure how it benefits Floyd yet, but if Floyd decided to come back, it would be beneficial um, in, in negotiations. It, there's no signs currently that Floyd is coming back, though. No, I mean, he posted that $100 million check from the uh, the Manny Pacquiao fight. It's to say he was happily retired. Now, we know Floyd Mayweather's the master in doublespeak and, and doubling back on what he said before. That was but, possibly uh, in you know correlation to T.I. and Kevin Hart clowning his pops, though. Yeah, um, but it, and him dancing it, with Tiny, freak dancing. There was a weird love triangle last weekend between the three of them again. So uh, Floyd's just trying to stunt on people. Yeah, but you know he he is happily retired. You know if he doesn't want to fight again, he really doesn't have to. And this this circus and all the logistics, like people say, you know it'll happen. It'll happen. There's a lot of logistical things that have to come together for this to work between networks, promotions. 
like where is it going to be, money splits. There's a lot of stuff that has to go together. And and people look at the money like, oh, well, you know, you know, the money is not that big of a deal. Well, there's other places the money has to go because who's promoting this fight? Who's handling it? Like, it's a lot. So for Floyd Mayweather, who's going to be 40 in February, you know, who's who got who grew tired of boxing because he wants to keep his faculties intact. Not to say that Conor could ever hurt him or anything, but does he really feel like training for a few months for a fight? You know, I mean, if he's not the interested... The grind isn't fun, right? Like, he's traveling yeah. around the world every day. He's not cooped up in the gym on Spring Mountain Road behind Chinatown in Vegas. Yeah, like, who wants months. to... Like, nobody wants to train. And, and Floyd Mayweather's, you know, training habits were legendary. The man, you know, has a, an, an insane training routine. But that doesn't mean he likes to do it. So why would he go that route? I mean, obviously, there there could there's a number that could draw him out to to do this fight. But as of right now, I just see no point in it. Are you of the opinion in 2016 we see Mayweather fight? No, I said the day uh, or he 2017. Retired, excuse me. I said it from the beginning when Mayweather retired. I don't see him coming back. Y'all talk about 49 and no, he needs to have 50. Like, dude. He's done everything that he could possibly do. I don't see him coming back for another fight. Because when I spoke with him at the Berto fight, I could see it in his face. And not saying I could read minds or anything, but he's not interested in this shit anymore. And he hasn't been. And after the Pacquiao fight, it's like, all right, well, I made the most money I could ever make in a fight. And, you know, I won the fight pretty handily. He's aware of his own mortality. So it's like, I don't see him coming back for another fight. For what? Because after he comes back, it's not like he can retire and people will be satisfied. All they'll say is, he needs to fight again. He needs to fight this person. There's always going to be somebody else he needs to fight. So end it while you can, while you still have your faculty attack, and don't end up like Roy Jones Jr. The biggest question now with Floyd Mayweather's future is, will you be joining me at the grand opening of his strip club here in Las Vegas? Can we make this a work event? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know your own man, Andreas. But we got to yeah. cover this for the culture. I mean, I might have to see what they're talking about up in there. I, I'm curious of what kind of um, talent he's going to be acquiring. I mean, if it's anything better than what he's got on Mayweather Promotions, this could be interesting. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, fans of the show, when we get that that grand opening date, we shall announce it. Y- y'all got to be up in there with us. Corner taking over the Mayweather strip club. Um, back to Connor, though. Another big news, UFC 206 is coming up. Connor stripped of his title. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Cormier fall out, fell out of the Rumble Johnson title fight with an injury, which led to the UFC promoting Max Holloway versus Anthony Pettis to the main event. And then for some reason decided that it just can't be a main event because it's a really good fight. Let's make it an interim title fight, which makes absolutely no fucking sense because Jose Aldo was the interim title holder. But now... <laughs> that was Jose the interim, Aldo- interim title. Right. So it's like it's like the Intercontinental World Television title for really no reason. So they, they've forced McGregor to relinquish his title, elevated Aldo to full champion, and now Pettis versus Holloway is basically fighting for a paper belt just to make a pay-per-view more appealing. And it's not like the damn thing is going to sell anymore because you called it an interim title fight. This is a really good fight to begin with, but put, slapping an interim title is not going to change anything. No, and now... <laughs> The belts are getting closer and closer to boxing, where they don't mean anything. Um, The interim champion can't even feel like an interim champion. It's shitty enough to be an interim champion from the get-go. 
but now you truthfully know, like, now you're really nothing. Yeah, the the hard thing is this, you know, Conor McGregor, people act like he won the featherweight title an eternity ago. It hasn't even been a year. He won the featherweight title last December against Jose Aldo and knocked him out in 13 seconds. Aldo has had longer spans of not defending the title than Conor. A lot, a lot of fighters have had bouts with inactivity without as being champion. Now, if you're injured and unable to to fight, like see, the UFC is well within their rights to strip Conor McGregor under certain pretenses. One is if he is booked to defend the lightweight title. If he already had a fight scheduled, then you can remove the title from him. If he's injured and cannot defend the featherweight title, then you remove the title from him. But to react to Daniel Cormier being injured and making this the way that you make your decision was a horrible idea because you're reacting. Instead of being proactive, you're being reactive. And now Conor McGregor is giving up a title he never lost. And his silence is the best thing right now because all the fans are speaking for him. He's still the champ to a lot of people. He never lost the title. He never got the opportunity to say that he wasn't defending his title. So the UFC has only empowered Conor McGregor and made themselves look like fools because Jose Aldo's not the real champion. Nobody's going to believe that. Not until he fights Conor McGregor. And Aldo made it very clear that he wants to move up to lightweight to fight Conor McGregor. Which is odd, but I guess that's where the money is. Or he truly believes Conor's never coming back down. Which I, mean, I, he, I don't think either, because it seemed as though... And I believe Conor and his camp, when they say the weight cut would be easier now than ever was before, due to his money, the nutritionist, everything else involved. Yeah, I mean... Look, Jose Aldo's been, he's been teasing going to lightweight for a long time. People forget about that with Jose, because if you remember, Jose Aldo and Anthony Pettis were supposed to be involved in a super fight, and then Pettis got injured, and that fight didn't happen. Um, but prior to that, I remember having lunch with Jose and, and talking to him and uh, his coach, and they talked about him moving to lightweight, because he had a hard time cutting weight to featherweight. So this is not anything new, and all Jose Aldo really wants is revenge. That title means nothing to him right now. <laughs> nothing at all. You know, because holding on to something, you know, no matter the, the, the poetic that, that Jose Aldo has been waxing, saying, you know, I'm the real champion and I had an accident. Dude, you got knocked the fuck out. So yeah. just deal with it. You're not, the, you're not the real champion. You got the interim title because you beat Frankie Edgar. Big fucking deal. Go chase McGregor. Because if you can prove yourself as a lightweight, which is a, a, which is a terribly competitive division, and run through a lot of those guys, you've earned your shot at Conor McGregor. So this whole situation just looks bad for the UFC. And again, the fact that McGregor has not said a word is probably the best thing. Because when he does come out to speak about it, oh, he's going to trash everybody. Because he never lost. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I can see Conor coming back if Holloway wins, even though he has a win over Holloway already. But the knee injury and going the distance might be something... That really, like, you know, it, it still bothers him. He wants to prove his dominance. And I watched that fight again the other day. Connor washed him with one leg. As yeah. great as Max Holloway is, and he was young, and I understand all that stuff, the man had one leg, and the fight wasn't close. So I'm not sure about that. Pettis would be intriguing, but I feel like Pettis would want that at 155. Connor Absolutely. would want it at 145 because he'd like to take the belt back and um, not have the possibility of losing his belt. But you know what? I think what's done is done. Conor McGregor is the only person to hold two world titles simultaneously. You can't take that away from him now. So now so he can just have no belt and, and still be a draw? 
Well, he doesn't need that. The featherweight title is something that's like a trinket now because it's been taken away from him. So why go back and chase after something they took away from you that you never lost? Only like, if yeah, you they, need three. Only if yeah. your goal is three at the same yeah. damn time. If his goal is three. But, you know, he's about to take this time off. I put a heavy f- wager on Conor McGregor appearing at WrestleMania while his, his uh, fiance is pregnant. And then he d- makes his comeback again in, in a lightweight fight. That's what I figure is going to happen. Um, this featherweight title, you know, we saw what he looked like standing on the scales as a featherweight. He looked malnutrition, even though he ended up being huge on fight night. But uh, that weight cut was killing him. McGregor's, I believe, 28 now. That weight cut doesn't get any easier. And it's completely unnecessary to do if you don't have to. You're like, why go after a featherweight title that you never lost? They need to, like, and Connor's the same age, though, and made the weight cut for the first time in his last fight. Yeah, but Pettis, like, Pettis is a different body type. You look at Pettis, you look at Conor McGregor. They're two different body types. Conor's um, just now super muscular. Before he wasn't. No, but he always had a hard time cutting down to 145. But he did it because he had a size advantage and a power advantage against everybody. Now that he's fit into this lightweight mold, he's, this is his weight. This is where he should be. Welterweight's not the way for him either. But either way that you look at it, Conor's... This position should be, you should give me back my title. Why do I have to fight for it? I never lost it. Give it back. Yeah. There, there should be no, in no, under no circumstances, should Conor McGregor have to fight somebody for the title he never lost. They, he should hand it back. They should hand it back to him. No, that's true. Um, and there was a press conference the other day between Holloway and Pettis. I couldn't believe it. I was the first person to actually ask Conor McGregor a question. It's like <laughs> everyone else is just like frozen. And kind of, like, scared to ask it. I was like, yo, it's the elephant in the room. That's what people care about. Like, we all write about the same things. People want to know what they think about Conor. That's what moves the needle. And it was like, people were kind of asking about their fight and everything. Like, you know, that's all great. And we need to know this information. But the first question should have been about Conor and how they feel about Conor and him being stripped. And um, both, you know, try to shrug it off that they're concentrating on each other, yada, yada, yada. But they, in the end, they lose a lot of money. That's what it comes down to. Fighting Jose Aldo versus fighting Conor McGregor, you guys aren't even main eventing a pay-per-view if you're on one. The the yeah. difference is drastic. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, if you're Max Allen when you're Anthony Pettis, you don't want to get sucked into this Conor McGregor conversation when you two are getting ready to fight in a couple weeks. Because the fight is still the same. Whether The only thing that's changed is the number of rounds. And that has nothing to do with the title. It's the fact that it's the main event. So... You know, it's like spending a too much time discussing Connor is, is stupid, but you have to address it. You have to address the fact that, you know, that the guy has been relinquished, has been stripped of a title that he never lost only because the light heavyweight champion can't defend his title and you're worried about how well a pay-per-view is going to do. That's the ridiculousness of it all. And, and that's what really should be said and just left alone after that. Because if I'm Anthony Pettis or Max Holloway and I win this interim title, I'm handing it back. Because it means nothing to me. No, all it is is a ticket to fight Jose Aldo for the real belt. Yep. And if Jose and with Jose Aldo chasing after Conor McGregor, maybe this should have been for the full title and keep Jose Aldo still as the interim title because he's teased retiring, he's teased leaving the sport, he's talked about moving to lightweight. Pettis and, and, and Holloway haven't said anything like that, so maybe that fight should have been for the full title, and maybe Jose Aldo is the one who needs to prove himself as the interim title. And to see whether or not he actually wants to be featherweight champion or if he's just going to ditch the division and go chasing after Conor McGregor. No, that, that's true. And one, he got to prove that he can stay healthy. Well, that's always an issue. That's always an issue. So you, you give it to guys who are active and fighting. 
Um, you never know with Jose Aldo. You never know. Um, the other thing to talk about, UFC 206, DC, like you said, was pulled from the card, injured. He defended AKA in the training methods and said that the coaches are just coaches. They can't control what he does. They can't control what anyone in that gym does. Um, he admitted to training three times a day, hard sparring, wrestling. Um, and that led to Rumble saying he's not taking a fight. He's going to sit back and wait for his title chance. What do you think about DC admitting that, you know, he, he kind of trains how he's always trained, which is too hard, and Rumble deciding not to fight anyone? We'll, we'll start with Rumble. Um, in all fairness, I feel like Rumble's well within his rights to say, you know what, I don't want to take a fight. I'll just wait for Cormier. I don't think Rumble's, you know, he's, he's wanting for money. And I think that title fight is what he wants. And out of respect for Daniel Cormier, I think he's going to wait for it. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. You know, I know DC said that Rumble should have taken the fight, but what is he going to fight? Tim Kennedy, Gegard Mousasi, a heavyweight? Yeah, that's all fine and dandy, but what you really want is that title. And that's what, and Rumble, more than anything else, wants to avenge his loss. So why put yourself back either through a training camp or back through a training camp and risk injury to and, and, and put yourself in a case where you may not be able to fight for the title? Yeah. So wait for it. Um, on the other hand, with Cormier, um, it, it, these guys need to learn how to train better, and that's really what it is. Uh, you know, they go hard because that gym is very competitive, so they have a lot to prove. And unfortunately, you know, you become a casualty of your instinct to train hard, and that's what Cormier did. Uh, he, he has to look at himself and say, you know what, maybe I need to tone it down. Maybe I need not to hard spar. But what can you do? I mean. We're getting ready to talk about this, uh, this, you know, the Mixed Martial Arts Fighters Association in a second. But without health care and without these things in place, you know, there's not a lot the fighters can do but just kind of risk their health whenever they train. Yeah, I mean, it's you just got to train less. It's like the NFL. It's like, man, it's a violent game, but you guys can only wear pads once a week now because the right. people are getting too big, too fast, and too strong. And, you know, people then criticize the, the product on the field. And how it looks now. It's because they can't practice as much. Um, practice makes perfect. It, it, it's always a true method. That's never going to change. But also health and having people upright on Sundays matter. And the UFC is going to have to figure out, man, having people upright for these pay-per-views matter. I think this is number 36 where a main or co-main event has been, has been washed this year. That's not a good number. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in the ballpark. I think between thirty three and thirty six main and co mains have been changed this year. Yeah, it's um, we're you're on pace for what three a month? It's insane. It's it's insane, and you know the UFC has to step in with the training methods, with every just like the the NFL. If they want to be an organization, they have to levy rules. And well, the NFL stepped in and they said you can only hit with pads once a week, or you're going to get fined. The UFC needs to step into some of these gyms and say you can only hard spar twice a week. Or your wrestling yeah. and all this stuff, has to, there has to be hours. Maybe you can only train three hours a day. Not like Cormier going in three different times in one day. Or Connor admitting that he used to travel, he used to train for eight hours at a time. You can only train for three hours a day. We will show up at random. If this is broken, you will pay a fine. So on yeah, and so be, forth. That'd be great if these guys weren't like independent contractors. And, and, they, and there was a, a fighter's union. Like, which we're going to talk about. Like, the UFC can't do anything. They can't levy a fine on anybody training because they, they don't, they don't, there's nothing that they can do to contain them because they don't treat them like employees. They sign them to contracts to fight. 
They don't sign them to anything else. They don't sign them to train at their facilities. They don't sign them to visit their doctors. To take, they, like none of these things are part of the UFC contract, so they can't step in and do shit. They have to sit. This is a they're they're a victim of their own circumstances. Yeah, they this have is, to rearrange the contracts in a way that it works for them. And <laughs> and that's forward. But then the like you said, the fighters and having association like we're about to talk about will push back. And uh, it's a give and take. It'd be like, you want me to train less, but I need health care. So, yeah. stuff like so, that. So let's talk about that. Um, MMA Fighters Association, this is the third attempt at a union now because you had uh, Jeff Boris and his, you have uh, Randy Couture, um, their union, and now you have the, the one with, uh, we have Cowboy Cerrone, Tim Kennedy, George St. Pierre, uh, Bajoran Revney, former CEO of Bellator, and TJ Dillashaw and Cain Velasquez. I had a conference call, and they announced that they're forming an MMA Fighters Association. And it, it seems like it's a little bit different than a union. It seems like their focus is on equal pay and health care for the UFC. I don't know if this necessarily is for other for MMA fighters across the board, without getting too much into detail, because you have the issue with the Muhammad Ali Act, which is more important than anything else that anybody's fighting for, because the, 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 uh, the fact that promoters have a lot of this control takes away from what these fighters are able to do. Um, and the question is, will this work? And a lot of people look at Bajoran Rebney's involvement and what he did at Bellator. Uh, if people remember how Eddie Alvarez signed his offer sheet with the UFC and Bellator essentially hung him up where to the point where he had to settle in order to leave. Yep. There's a lot of people that are not fans of Bajoran Rebney being involved in this. Um, he knows what it's like to be in a it, for lack of a better term, an oppressive promoter, right? So you get someone from the other side. I think I, I think you can't. I think you can't use somebody like Bajoran. And, and, and my rationale is this, because you create a union, which essentially fighters have to pay to be involved in. Not a union. Association. I'm not sure if they're charging so, dues. Yeah, yeah. Due, to the, the, due to the nature of terminology, right? Yeah, but I have, to, I have to see it to believe it. Like the tricky wording and a lot of stuff that's <laughs> in there. A union would say dues. Right. So you wonder, like, a fighter needs to be the head of this. Just like the Players Association, you don't get, like, a former commissioner to be the the head of the Players Association in the NBA. You get a player to be the head of it. Active or former. Yeah, active or former, because they know exactly what it takes. You don't get somebody like Bajoran Rebney, because then the question is, what does he stand to benefit by being a part of this? And does that... Is that conflict with his own selfish interest? So you, you don't really know. And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing because I think a fighters union is absolutely necessary. It's just what's the motivation? What's the overall goal? And how would this work when there are two other MMA fighters unions that are trying to get off the ground? Yeah, you're see, it, it so struck many. me as a giant management firm. Because when you're not talking everyone in MMA, you're just talking to UFC. You're going after big stars. Um, like you said, that Ali Act and everything, they're, they're limited in what they can do. So now it just seems like someone's going in there and managing you and brokering for a little bit more in your contract. Right. So it just seems like a giant management firm, and this guy is your de facto manager. To yeah. go in there and sit and negotiate things like health care and everything else, which is unheard of so far, but it's not something out of the realm of what fighters can put into their contract, but normal managers can do so. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why you see guys like Malky Kawa come out and just completely bash Bajoran Rebney, because 
you got to have like managers. You have to have people involved on many facets for this thing to work. But it's it's the fighters first, more than anything else. Um, and George St. Pierre went completely rogue. This dude went Che Guevara on the damn conference call. <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying? Like he's he ain't got shit bland, to lose right now, man. Yeah, he's been the bland personality of the UFC who played by their rules for so long. And look where it's got him to the point where WME basically says we need to reintroduce you. Because you're so bland. Because you did everything that Zufa told you to do. Now you're boring. So St. Pierre just went out there and was like, look, Connor's not getting paid. We're supposed to get paid. I don't need to fight, so this don't mean shit to me, but this is the right thing to do. George St. Pierre needs to be the head of this. I just don't know if he's smart enough to do it. Um, um, I'm not sure if he wants to put in the time. It takes time. Usually a retired uh, player would do so. Right. Um, you know, I, but... What sucks is that some of the brightest and most knowledgeable retired fighters in the business are under UFC payroll because they get that like little grandfather contract. Yep. Where you just come and chill and we just pay you forever. So who are you going to go to? Are you going to go to a, a Forrest Griffin? Are you going to go yeah. to one of these? Like, you can't. You, you honestly can't because it's a conflict of interest. Right. They're, they're on the UFC payroll. So the guys who have retired, I mean, Couture, I guess, was the best example of it, of trying to get someone who's retired and could d devote countless hours to the cause. Um, because an active fighter, GSP still trying to fight and going through his all own lawsuit and trying to be a free agent, he doesn't have the time at all. You can't train and get this off the ground. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it, it takes a lot. So... Well, you know, the notion is is, is uh, commendable. Uh, I'll see. I want to see how this plays out. Um, the, the, the most interesting thing was listening to Cain Velasquez say that he's had seven surgeries. They're about to go on, undergo number eight after the Verdum fight. Yeah, you're a guy who needs a union. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> like, you need health care. His deductible you're not gonna be a, is bananas. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it takes to meet his deductible. Um, but that, that's just what it is. And, and, you know, people are like, this is great, and... I just got to see it work. It's it's a great, like I said, it's a great notion. I hope this narrative carries out and these guys actually make a difference, but I I won't hold my breath. Yeah, it's going to take, I'm not sure if the UFC is in a position to lock fighters out either. So the fighters actually have some good leverage if they cared to do so, but it got to start from within and then kind of matriculate outwards. This kind of started from the outside and you're not going to bully the UFC from the outside. Yeah. Um, before we move on and take a quick break, before we get to boxing, we have the Ultimate Fighter finale. That was last night, if you guys are listening to this on Thursday. Um, the finale is on Saturday. Demetrius Johnson is going to step up and fight the winner of the season, Tim Elliott, who was once cut by the UFC. Um, so it, it's interesting to see or to believe that Demetrius Johnson could take a loss to Tim Elliott, but stranger things have happened. Uh, it's a good card. Uh, other than that, Benavidez versus Cejudo, which is really the number one contender spot. They're just giving Demetrius Johnson a paycheck and something to do real quick, in my opinion. Then you have Ellenberger versus Masvidal, um, McMahon versus Davis. Some good good fights on this card. Maynard, Gray Maynard's on this card. Um, it's, it's it's a solid card. It's better than <laughs> last week's card. Yeah, that, that Melbourne card was just whatever. Right? It was way better than that. And it's at the Palms. They're not even trying to sell out a huge venue. No. Um, where do you stand on on the main event, Demetrius Johnson, Tim Elliott? 
I mean, you've kind of run out of opponents. So this, I, I like the idea of getting champions across the country, we'll call it across the globe to compete. And now you end up with a former UFC fighter. So it was like, you did all this and you still got a guy who would have probably been ranked, you know, just outside or around the top five. Um, yeah, Tim probably Elliott's, eighth, right? He, he's yeah. gotten better. Well, Tim Elliott's a dog, and that's why I like him. Um, if any, when I saw the season, I was like, well, if anybody's going to win, it's going to be him because the guy doesn't quit. He's he's awkward, and he just continues to come at you. And if, you, if people watch him fight throughout the season or watch him fight before, he's aggressive as shit, and he's going to stay in your face. And that's kind of the opponent that Demetrius Johnson needs. The problem is he's not fast enough. And the fact that, you know, he's not going to be able to deal with DJ's footwork and improve stand-up, people forget DJ's become a finisher over the past couple of years. They talked about how boring he was, but he's been basically taking everybody out. So I don't give Elliot much of a chance. Um, DJ's DJ, and at this point, you know, it's really going to be difficult to find some competition for him. Yeah, DJ is, is one in need of a super fight. I, I think if we see... Cruz beat Garbrandt, that rematch has to be done in 2017. Yeah, they have to find they have to find a way to make it happen. So because they fought before, you know. they have history. They they gotta run that one back. Sorry, TJ Dillashaw. He he's just forever gonna get the short end of the stake in my book. Um the other stuff, Benavidez, Cejudo, good fight. Who do you have there? You know, I've I've picked Benavidez since this fight was announced. Um, but if I'm a betting man, I think Cejudo's almost a two-to-one underdog. I bet Cejudo, I put my money on Cejudo. Uh, that Olympic wrestling could be a big difference maker in this fight, and the stand-up's not bad either. Um, I think Benavides does hit harder. Uh, Benavides has been in a ton of you know fights with elite competition like Dominic Cruz, and he's always been competitive. So Benavides should be the favorite, but if I'm a betting man, I'm going to put some money down on Cejudo. But I'm, I'm picking Benavides. Away. Am I crazy, or is his only losses to Demetrius Johnson and Dominic Cruz? Yeah. The dude right. doesn't lose, man. <laughs> Benavides is that, that guy where you don't want to call him a gatekeeper, but in order to get a title fight, you have to beat Benavides because nobody else can beat him. Yeah, it's that's it. He only has four losses, two to Cruz and two to Demetrius Johnson. Um, I I wanted to pick Cejudo and all that stuff. I got to pick Joseph Benavidez. He's yeah. the second best guy, arguably, in two different weight classes. He just he's, can't catch a break. He's got that good. Got heavy hands, good striking, great wrestler. You know, he comes from that gym, those Team Alpha Male guys. So it's like, it's hard. Alpha Male really against. can't catch a break. It's it's sad for them. Yeah, it's really difficult. Because they are just yeah. 1B in a lot of different divisions throughout like, the past six years. Mm-hmm. It's not getting any better. <laughs> so it's like... Cody's this is the last hope. Pretty much. Cody um, is the last hope. Yeah. I've, did Paige leave the gym randomly? Uh, uh, not to my knowledge. I think she still trains Okay. There. So they have a bit of hope. Um, if she miraculously is able to pull an upset over Joanna or something. Yeah, she won't get that far. She's got to beat Michelle Watterson first, which will be really interesting. Um, the only other fight that we probably have to predict is Jake Ellenberger versus Jorge Masvidal. Um, going to be a good fight. Do you think Ellenberger has much left in the tank, though? Hmm. This is a tough fight to pick. Masvidal's just outside of the top 15. I think Masvidal wins this fight. Um, I've never been really huge on Ellenberger to begin with. And uh, I, I think like Masvidal... Either he knocks I, someone out or they knock him out. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good fight. I think Masvidal, he's he's strangely one of those fighters who I never feel like has reached their full potential. He's got a ton of talent. And I think he'll, uh, he's a boomer bust type of guy. He's going to look excellent or he's going to get knocked out by Ellenberger. I think he's going to look really good in this fight. Um, Ellenberger, I think, has been, he's a, he's a, He's a he's a really good fighter, um, but his peak will never be a top three uh, fighter in the division. Fair enough. I, I'm picking Masvidal as well. I think Alan Berger's kind of over the hill. So I this I wouldn't be surprised to see Jake call it a career, hang up the gloves after this one. Um, yeah. he's been through some stuff. He's been a great fighter. It's just his fighting style does not lend well to longevity. Right. And people are really taking health into account and um yeah he can't just keep getting KO'd I don't want to see him go out like Bigfoot Silva who just gets in brawls every week and I don't know how the guy's gonna be able to talk in 10 years so uh hopefully it's a great fight I'm sure it will be it's a decent card make sure you guys tune in we're gonna be right back we're gonna take a quick break uh make sure you guys fill out this survey for us always does us a great solid and benefits us helps us get these sponsors and keep that rolling in Make sure you take that for us. When we come back, we're talking boxing. A lot of good stuff is happening and a lot of good stuff on the horizon. So stay tuned. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. Yeah, man. I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right, if you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card, right? You know, like, do it for free. Do it for the gifts. And if there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing it, there's a better chance to win. So please, do us this solid and go to thecornersurvey.com. Once again, that's thecornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like. And then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. Thanks for staying with us. Welcome back, everybody. Now we're talking boxing. We had one hell of a fight, in my opinion, this past weekend. I don't care how it ended. (laughs) Listen, people laugh. I enjoyed that fight thoroughly. Um, Lomachenko versus Walters. Lomachenko's just on a whole different level. Offensive footwork is so much better than defensive footwork. Um, the guy was like Goku in Dragon Ball Z. It's like he punched and then teleported to the next spot. He was never in the same spot where he was throwing punches. Amazing fight. Andres Hell had a better seat than I did. <laughs> Dre, you were like right there on the action. I think you got hit by like sweat one time when Walters got hit, punched in the face. Um, you couldn't get any closer. So Dre was up there, you know, in rarefied air. I'm back with the normal media people. See where I stand now. He's making big moves. Um, great fight. All in all, Walter said no mas, though. 
Yeah. So first of all, I want to. Um, I don't know if the the troll who was telling me Lomachenko wasn't good on Twitter is listening to the show. Yeah, I'm sorry if I had to call you a troll, but he said he wasn't top ten yet. He said, "How can a guy be top ten with only eleven fights?" And he passes the eye test. And this was the perfect example of why I said Vasil Lomachenko is probably the most talented boxer on the planet today. This there is there is probably no equal to this guy's pure talent. His amateur record it speaks for itself. But he's been able to translate that into his professional record. And, you know, people's like, oh, he lost to Orlando Salido. Go back and watch Salido fight. Go back and watch the refereeing of the fight. The fact that Salido missed weight, didn't give a shit, so he made sure he had a huge size advantage. And it was kind of too early for Lomachenko to be in that type of a fight. And since then— He knocks him out in two rounds if they fight again. Oh, he destroys him. He, he toys with him. What he did to Nicholas Walters, who was undefeated— who knocked out both Nonito Donaire and Victor Chinian to make a man like that quit, not because he's hurt, but because he can't find a way to even touch the man. <laughs> Fighting's not fun when you're not landing any punches. That's just taking an ass whooping. For all purposes, Nicholas Walters had both his hands tied behind his back for this fight. It was just asked to go in there and just eat punches to the face. He couldn't touch it. There was nothing he could do. When this fight was announced, I was excited because I thought this was going to be a very intriguing fight between a guy with ridiculous power versus a world-class athlete and boxing tactician. And it ended up being such a one-sided affair that you can't help but to say that Vasil Lomachenko is one of the top pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. And this like, doesn't how- make Walters a bad fighter. I don't care what anyone says. Um, he definitely quit because he was frustrated, but he's still nothing. not a bad fighter. No, like there was, this was, you know, this was just somebody just completely outclass. This is a guy who's on another level outclassing a top tier fighter. Walters can go in there and fight, you know, a Jesse Magdaleno or Nonito Donaire and still be extra- extremely competitive. It's just on this night, dealing with this type of guy, there was nothing he could do. He blamed the layoff, you know. Quitting sucks. I'm not a fan of anybody quitting in a fight because, they, you know, you could be Jesse Vargas and lose 11 and a half rounds and catch Timothy Bradley with one punch and damn near win the fight. Or uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, who ended up quitting against Fonfara, but was getting thoroughly dominated by Sergio Martinez and then caught Martinez late in the 12th round. It can't happen. But, you know, he's still a good fighter. He just, he's not elite. And, no, and he, he couldn't touch the man. Like, it's, it's not fun. Like, no. he, he, his check was cleared already. He was sitting there, and he was like, yo, I just can't even hit him. I'm, this isn't a boxing match anymore. This I'm is a, a clinching dummy. Like, that's, that's all it is. And it's, at that point, I guess if it's not fun, you get the hell out of there. Yeah, so the bottom line is that, is that Vasil Lomachenko is a top pound-for-pound fighter. Um, you can argue where you want to put him. Some people put him at five. Some people put him at seven. You know, he, you know, he needs to fight. Um, you know, Bob Arum told me straight up that he wants to put him and Manny Pacquiao in the ring in 2017, late 2017. Do you think that happens? Do you think it's smart for Lomachenko to move up 10 pounds? It's going to it's going to take 10 pounds. He won't fight him at 140. It'll be at like 137 if that fight were, were to happen. Hmm. Um, so you're not in an opinion that he moves all the way up to 140. That's a that's a nice size cut for Manny. Part time Manny. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that fight happens. Uh, especially with Terrence Crawford still lingering. And really... Uh, That's you know, the fight to make. Yeah. The, depending on, you know, Lomachenko's weight. I mean, there's there's a ton of guys he can fight. If if Bob Aaron can keep the lines open with Al Heyman and look at a possible fight with a Leo Santa Cruz or Carl Frampton, like, 
Those there are great so, fights. There are so many options for Vasil Lomachenko to become the best fighter in the world. And fascinatingly enough, he'll be the best fighter in the world with one loss. Um, but I don't see anybody beating this man right now. He's too good. People even talk about the Guillermo Rigondeaux fight, which could be a great fight. I or, think that might or, be the next fight. Well, I don't think it'll happen. I think, one, Rigondeaux is out of his mind on how much he thinks he's worth. He's boring as shit, uh, even though he's that good. But that fight would have so many bouts of inactivity, it'd be terribly boring. Oh, I think Lomo would pressure. I don't know. I mean, you look at how Lomo fights. Lomo fights in a a manner where he, he, he gives you different angles to try to figure you out. And that's what he did with, with Walters. There wasn't a lot that happened in the first couple of rounds. But once he figured out Walters couldn't hit him, then he just opened up. And it'd be the same thing, except Rickendow is a type of fighter who doesn't show you much. So it'd be a lot of posturing for like seven or eight rounds with a lot of <laughs> rounds where guys are only landing like three punches a round. So it, it may not be a fun fight. I could be completely wrong. but I mean, we just saw two fighters land ten punches a round. In Andre Ward and Kovalev, and oh yeah, perfectly weird, just enthralled by that shit. Yeah, absolutely. But the, but in that fight, you had Kovalev, who was an offensive dynamo, versus Andre Ward, who was a boxing tactician. In a fight with Lomachenko and Rigondeaux, you have two amateur boxers with great boxing pedigrees who don't necessarily lend themselves to fireworks. So, I you know, if that fight happens, great. I, you know, boxing fans would be lulled into thinking that this will be a fireworks fight, and it won't be. It won't be. These guys are too smart to just start throwing hands with no regard. Um, but, yeah, anybody who says that Lomachenko's not, top, not a top pound-for-pound guy is out of their fucking mind. Hopefully they don't, you know, squander this, and they keep giving him legit competition because he can handle legit competition. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they actually haven't babied him at all during his, his run so far. Well, that's what I think. He's got the Brock Lesnar treatment. Like, Vasil Lomachenko came in and challenged for a world title in his second fight. They threw him to the wolves. Yeah, because they, they looked at his record, which I believe his amateur record was 373-1. and one, Correct. I believe it was. And, uh, yeah. And so, you know, they... And whoever gave him that one, I, I forgot the guy's name, but he beat him twice after. Yeah, he dogged him after that. And, and this is, like, Vasil Lomachenko fought guys like Oscar Valdez in the Olympics. And Valdez is a rising star. But uh, there was no reason Vasil didn't want to wait. There was, Eastern European fighters had taken over. And Lomachenko's a guy who didn't want to wait, who wanted to get thrown to the wolves and fight the top competition. I can't knock the man for losing against a man like Salido who just fought an extremely dirty fight. I can't knock that loss because he barely lost that fight. Yeah, so, it was still a close fight. People acting like he got washed. Yeah, so the thing is, is Lomachenko is, he is arguably going to be the best fighter in the world. I just give it a little bit of time. Between him, Gennady Golovkin, like I said, these Eastern European guys are something else. Um, Terrence Crawford is like, you know, he's got to be looking at these guys like, shit, in order for me to become number one pound for pound, who's fighting John Molina next week, which is whatever. But, uh, yeah, when you look at talent, pure talent. Crawford still has the best path to number one pound for pound just because he always has the option of going up to 147, and there's a wealth of people up there he can beat. It's it's true, but it's just a matter of, you know, who else can he fight after that, being under the top rank umbrella. So Oh, well, yeah, um, top rank got to open up. Exactly. <laughs> you you got to cross over for him to get some, some competition. You know, there's, a, there's a ton of guys that Lomachenko could I fight. I wouldn't mind seeing him beat the hell out of Broner here soon, though. Well, I mean, I've been saying it for years, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Um, but, yeah, Lomachenko's the man. Anybody wants to argue with me about it, I'm willing to accept all arguments. I like I believe in Lomachenko, like I believe in Gennady Golovkin. These guys are, are guys that I don't think anybody can really beat. 
Talking about Triple G, it looks like he's on the horizon to land a fight with Jacobs. Ugh. Yeah, I don't see this happening. What? You think Jacobs I, is on his bike? Somebody got to fight Triple G. It's not Jacobs. Danny Jacobs wants this fight. Danny I Jacobs, like he's great fighting style. Tons of heart. Yeah, I, I like Danny a lot. I think he's a great fighter. I just think it's it's one of those things where they wanted the purse split and it was, you know, there was a lot of things going on here. Like, this fight needs to be made. I just, why is it taking so long? Just make the goddamn fight. J- Danny, you're not going to get any extra money elsewhere. You're basically a roadblock for the Canelo fight. So if you win this fight, there's a Canelo fight worth a lot of money there. So Jacob's trainer, his team needs to wisen up and take the fight with Golovkin because, you, you know, other than that, you're just spinning your wheels as a, as a middleweight. There's really nowhere else to go with Gennady basically holding every other goddamn belt. You can go fight Billy Joe Saunders if you want to, but nobody's going to give a shit. No, you got to take the big money fights when they come along. Like, don't shy. Because if you win, it sets you up for at least two years of paydays. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you can fight the next person. Fight? Triple G will want a rematch. You're, you're cashing yourself in a pretty hefty check if, you, if you're just betting on yourself. Like, me personally, I think... Triple G is the wrong fight for Danny Jacobs in terms of styles. I think he should be fighting Canelo. It's my personal opinion. I think Danny Jacobs gives Canelo hell. Output-wise, he can take some rounds from Canelo. Yeah, and, and I mean, the dude's a knockout artist. Like, he lost one fight because, like, he had a lot of shit going on. Between cancer, his grandmother yeah. dying. There was a lot of shit going on when Danny Jacobs lost. Since then, Bounce he back is, and avenge that loss. And he is... Well, he never avenged that loss. They oh, never did. got that fight. Not, not with Pirock. That fight didn't happen again. Oh, um, but since then, he has basically throttled everybody he fought. Like, he destroyed Sergio Moore recently. He put Peter Quillen on his ass immediately. Oh, Quillen is the fight I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah. That was, like, his but, return fight. Yes. But, you know, everybody they put in front of Danny Jacobs, he's beat up. So, I'd love to see him fight Canelo. I just don't think they'll make that fight happen because it's a little bit more dangerous for Canelo than it would be for Jacobs. No, Smart. definitely. I mean... Once again, with Jacobs, who else is left? The Mora fight was impressive. Quillen fight, impressive. Um, it's just you're on a crazy streak of knocking people out, and the highlight reel versus him and Triple G would just be incredible. It's a, it's a fight you can sell to fans, and that's what boxing yeah. needs to do more of. So hopefully that comes through. That's really what's up for Triple G, and like you said, it's a roadblock to Triple G and Canelo. Do you think Triple G and Canelo happens in 2017? Um, Shit, I'm 60 Yeah, I'm, I'm 60 <laughs> man. It's like, depending on when Canelo's hand heals and when he books his next fight and against who. It's going to be Cinco de Mayo, right? Broken hands are heal like that. Should get a fight. I'm still worried about this whole money thing. Um, and I think the weight is going to present an issue. So, I'm 60-40. I think we we're closer to it happening than we were last year. And they can't really waste too much time with it. But this is Golden Boy. And, and if Oscar's talking about how bad 2016 was, when it wasn't really, it was only a bad year because of you. Because you didn't put together the Canelo Triple G fight. That's yeah. the only reason why 2016 sucks. Everyone else did all right. Yeah, there were, we had a ton of great fights this year. Um, but in the mainstream, all that matters was one. And you didn't give us that one. So if you're going to play it smart, you're going to make this fight happen in 2017. Otherwise, 
Fox fans are going to continue to, well, casual fans will continue to lose interest in this sport. So I'm 60-40 this fight will happen. Uh, we'll discuss it after May when both Gennady and Canelo have their fights. Then we'll see how close we are, depending on both of their performances. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, well, let's take another break. We got wrestling to talk about to finish out the show. New WWE show, 205 Live, debuted, so we have to talk about that. Plus, we have SmackDown's TLC coming up, so we'll preview that. You guys stay tuned for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back after. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's Casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. All right, everybody, thanks for shouting out to the sponsors again. You guys, make sure you cop a mattress. You know, everybody needs a nice new mattress every now and then. Go on there, use the promo code. Show support for the show. Right now, though, we kind of got tripped up during the break because we just got word that the UFC has canceled an event January 21st in Anaheim, California. It was supposed to be a pay-per-view, um, moving it to late summer, August 5th, or I guess, yeah, late summer, early in August, August 5th. Um, UFC 209 will now be in Las Vegas. So now we have pretty much a Brooklyn card in February, and then a March card in Vegas. So, L.A., you guys get the short end of the stick? <laughs> that's, that's it. Like They're like, yo, we got a new home, and that's New York. So, uh, L.A., we see you when we see you. Yeah, called it due to a lack of champions. Like, nobody's able to compete. Yo, how many divisions are there? Like, there how is there a lack of champions? Well, I guess, you know, if you got Cruz already fighting, you got Ronda and Nunez in January, uh, Cormier's injured. Connor's out. Uh, Woodley and Wonderboy probably aren't, won't be ready by January. Uh, who's left? Heavyweight? Miocic? Well, Miocic is taking time off, and then the number one contenders fight. Kane already said he's pretty much going for surgery. Right. So then, well, he's got Joanna. She's not ready to fight. Uh, yeah. Uh, Demetrius is fighting on Saturday. Saturday. Um, I guess that's it. I feel like we're missing one division. No, well, featherweight, not. featherweight's competing at 206 for the interim, and I'm sure they won't fight for a title on in January against Jose Aldo in two months. So they have a lack of champions. <laughs> yeah, they, they run into a brick wall here. They they ran themselves oh, into a big wall. So I wonder if we can blame this on WM, WME for not having the foresight to realize like, oh shit, 
we done ran out of fighters yeah, <laughs> to put on um, a billion cards. I don't know if we blame DC for being injured or we blame 205 for being too stacked. I, I think, well, DC's injured, I don't think that would have mattered. I think they would have realized it either way. Because if DC would have fought, they still wouldn't have had anybody. <laughs> so, Sarah, Sarah, you guys, sorry, Anaheim, you guys lost on a card. I'm really surprised they just don't move Cruz and Garbrandt over. It's yep, they, three weeks they gotta, away. Yeah, they want to stack that New Year's card, though. That's what they want to do. And you're not going to be able to convince Cruz or Gar, nor Garbrandt to take themselves off of a Ronda Rousey return fight card. Especially if Cruz is getting points on the pay-per-view for being a champion. There's no way he's not going to fight on the same card as Ronda Rousey. That's true. They probably asked. He was probably like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Eat shit. Yeah, so they, they had no other choice. Crazy. Um, the UFC continues to surprise us. And throw curveballs at us. Um, but back to the wrestling talk. We were supposed to talk about 205 Live debuted this week. We saw a championship match. We saw a tag team match with the Bollywood Boys. Um, who we first saw in like Jeff Jarrett's promotion. When they debuted yeah. out here in Vegas. Um, we also saw you know people like Jack Gallagher on there. Uh, who looks to be a pretty good talent. And possibly a rising star. You know, his technical ability is, is cool, and he has a funny gimmick. Um, but the show was missing something for me personally. I, I didn't have the same feel as I did with the Cruiserweight Classic. I'm not sure what was off. I, I think the arena's too big. There's not enough fans left in it. Um, to me, it doesn't need to be live. Maybe it's Tuesday and I was burnt out already. Maybe it should be on Wednesday. Something was off. Well, what do you think about it? Uh, I thought it felt like Sunday Night Heat. Or Shotgun Saturdays. I just felt like, or Superstars. It felt like a show that was just a bunch of guys wrestling with no real storylines, no real characters. Um, oh, just kind of little promo pieces. Yeah, who cares? Bollywood Boys, really? And it's like, what defines the Cruiserweight division, what defined the Cruiserweight Classic was upper echelon wrestling, where guys were competing at a high level. And I didn't feel like we, I didn't feel like we got any of that on 205 Live. Even the, the title match between Swan and Kendrick was like, and I, I've said this from the beginning, Kendrick should not be the anchor of the Cruiserweight division. He kind of takes away from what the Cruiserweight division actually is. And when Cedric Alexander and it should be one of the top guys on that roster. Um, but they all lack personality. And that's what makes it really, and it's not their fault. It's whoever's writing for them. There's nothing interesting. TJ Perkins, not interesting. Like, none of it is interesting. So the show was Well, TJ just gets video game gimmicks. Um, I, I think Ed, Alexander Perkins, we didn't see a lot of the top guys on this show. It's just the no. truth. Um, Grandma Talik, some of the people who put on amazing matches were like, damn, that's good in Cruiserweight Classic. They weren't on this first episode. And, and when they do show up, because what, what made Cruiserweight Classic interesting is the stakes were high. You knew what they were competing for. Here, they're just kind of wrestling. Like the Bollywood Boys, there's no tag team Cruiserweight title. What are they doing? So it's like, what is everybody competing for? And we were introduced to a lot. What also made Cruiserweight Classic great is we were introduced to a lot of talent that worked in different promotions. Well, now they're with the WWE, so this data lore is gone too. So now they're just a bunch of smaller guys wrestling on a show with purple ropes. On Tuesday, at a time where the arena, you're right, the arena is too big. This is, this is a full-sale type of program. This is not a traveling show. Yeah, I think that they will correct that. Sooner rather than later. They'll correct that this show will not make it to WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I think they'll see that. I think that they will notice that it doesn't need to be live. 
um, you can tape four of these in a row at full sale, like you yeah. do NXT, and then let them be on Raw every week. It's, it's just, as simple as that. Like, you know, give them characters, give them scripts, stuff they can rehearse, stuff they can do multiple times. It doesn't have to be live. They don't have to have that pressure. And you record four shows. <clears throat> Who cares about spoilers on the internet? Um, four or five shows in a row and then let them tour with Raw. It's just, what are the stakes? That's, that's my whole thing is, what are the stakes? Why? If NXT is NXT and they've done what they've done, to create 205 Live for the Cruiserweight division, there just are no stakes. You just the have fact- to you have to just create rivalries with, with no stakes. Even you you know you have to develop characters, heels and faces, and someone overly dirty attacking this person, or having someone cost Rich Swan the belt in his next match, and then those two split off, and then you, you know you have to start developing multiple storylines. Well, see, what also makes it hard is that you you kind of almost run into this thing we have too many shows where it's very similar because you have Raw and SmackDown, which are very similar in their styles of wrestling. And everybody thought that SmackDown was going to be the wrestler show while Raw would be like the, the theatrical show. No, they're pretty much the same damn show, except one's an hour shorter. So, the, But then you have NXT, which is your wrestling show. Correct. Which, which doesn't have a whole lot of... Uh, uh, you know, dialogue. It, it, it's not no inundated fluff. with, yeah, it's not inundated with all that. No flip, so then, just fist. Yeah. So <laughs> then you have 205 Live, which is what? Right? It's just a bunch of small guys wrestling. It has to be the flippy shit show, right? It but has see, to be yeah. original cruiserweight. You can have one Dean Malenko, you know, but it, it, it can't be full of technical wrestlers, which we saw way too many of. Um, in this past episode, you have to wow people into watching this. There has to be moves you're never going to see before. Like, they have to have spots from Neville, Kalisto. Uh, I love that Austin Aries threw his hat in the ring and said, you know what, when I'm healthy, I'm coming for it. Yeah, see, but that's what you need. You have to, and I've said it from the beginning, there are no established stars in that Cruiserweight Classic. Why is Neville not in the Cruiserweight division? Why? Why, why, why? it's on why? a special show, you know what, Neville, yeah, it's got to travel. Tuesdays are no longer an off day for you. Yeah, it's, like, not, it's the cities are always close, right? Between Raw and SmackDown. But when has he been on television? He has been like, on television forever. So I'm saying, like, you got to be like, no, Neville, you got to do Tuesdays with cruiserweights too. Yeah, like Kalisto. Why are you in a feud with Baron Corbin? And it's something that's a- absolutely, dude. I'm just gonna touch on it real quick. Then we'll go back and t- talk about TLC. To have Kalisto and Baron Corbin in a uh, a chairs match. Why does Baron Corbin need a chair to squash Kalisto? That's ridiculous. You're just going to get an end of days on the chair. That's that's just fast forward on that. But for Kalisto and Neville to be basically doing nothing and to not anchoring this cruiserweight division is a huge, huge mistake by the WWE. Neville was one of your best talents in NXT. And you've squandered everything, any momentum that he had on the main roster. And then he got injured against Jericho. That didn't help. But what what do you, like, why... Why is he not like I need Neville to be a heel and I need him to be the champion of this cruiserweight division that everybody is chasing after? Because then you have a face that people want to see beat because they're surprised he turned heel. What the fuck are you doing? Like, what is this is dumb. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. They're going to notice that they need established guys, guys who had characters in NXT and the main roster. Bring them down. Let them compete with these guys that honestly people don't know anything about. 
Exactly. They saw him in the Cruiserweight Classic. They have no clue what they did on the Indies. We know Rich Swan is a great story, but they really haven't told us why. No, and we it, know it because we followed indie wrestling. Yeah, it's like Swan is Alexander. It's like okay, these are great talents, but like they weren't the man where they came from. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not no knock on them, but it's just what it is. And when you have Swan dancing and Cedric does these high octane moves, but really nothing else, um, what do you do? Because you know, let's be honest, NXT is full of cruiserweights. Austin Aries is a cruiserweight. Like a lot of these guys, like Daniel Bryan would have been a cruiserweight. Like there's really no nothing too different. So I don't see this thing lasting too much longer unless they give it an overhaul. Unless, like I said, Neville and Kalisto invade this thing and find a way to take it to the top because you need a recognizable face. Otherwise, people aren't going to be emotionally invested in none of this shit. No, exactly. I, man, that something got to change. Um, hopefully the first episode was just rough. When we get some of the higher flyers, the more exciting people, hopefully it makes a change for the better. Um, then we had WWE Raw. Back-to-back good shows, in my opinion. Yeah, I was about to say that. I, I, I had no, no real complaints about Raw this week. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed Paul Heyman's interview where he was shedding <laughs> a couple of tears over overlooking Goldberg. I thought that was great. Great interview. Like, it didn't need to be in the ring. You didn't need people chanting. You just needed Paul and a microphone. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. I thought... Um, the, I mean, granted, Roman Reigns is going to face Kevin Owens, which hopefully they just put Kevin Owens over clean so they can establish him as an actual champion instead of a transitional one. That needs to happen because him losing the range sucks. Um, teasing the breakup with, with Jericho and, and Owens, that was fine. But it really it was all about Charlotte and Sasha Banks probably having their best match to date. I think it was their best match. Um and that's no knock to their Hell in a Cell match, which was good, but it had a couple botches, and it was slow at moments. This one had no, no slow point. It was great and, pacing, great match work. They had a kendo stick. Nothing gets more hardcore than a kendo stick. This yeah, shit was like ECW-style match. I think what, what made me like this match more than all their other matches was I really went into this match thinking that the, the finish was going to have something to do with Nia Jax getting involved and that there was no way that they were going to take the belt off of Charlotte this quick. And it was just setting up Charlotte versus Bailey and Nia Jax versus Sasha Banks. That's where I came. I had my expectations weren't that high. Then the match happens. And, you know, you had the first match with the double countout. Then they decide it's going to be a new no DQ match, which further made me think that Nia Jax was going to get involved and ruin this for Sasha Banks. No, they just had a great match. And Sasha, look, look, this cat started off with nine lives. She's down to about two. The boot that she took from the edge of the apron and then went straight to the floor, thought she was dead. That bump was crazy. And we'll talk about SmackDown real quick in a second. But um, Chad Gable took a similar bump this week. Yeah. That was just insane. I was like, oh, God, they're going to kill Chad Gable. Yeah. So this match, um, Sasha winning the title again. Uh, Only on Raw. She can't win on pay-per-views. Son, she's like the queen of emotional title victories. When she wins, <laughs> it's like every time she wins, I, I like smile because I'm like, I look at her, I'm like, look at her, she's so happy. And Ric Flair comes out and all this shit. Yeah, she needs to win on a pay per view. I just, I'm now I'm at like, well, what, what are you guys gonna do? They can't keep trading the belts back and forth. No, well, they kind of set up a Sasha Bailey kind of angle. Um, I, I guess everything leads to WrestleMania, and we get the four way match. So maybe Nia Jax and Sasha kill some time. 
and we have Bailey versus Charlotte for a number one contender slot. Yeah, then they rotate around at WrestleMania. I think they have a ladder match. Yeah, the and first, I think the all first four, women's ladder match. Maybe you throw two more in there because they usually nah. have six people open up for a ladder match, right? Not for a women's ladder match. You can have these four with Nia Jax being your yeah. strong base. And usually and it's fit. the opening match. So, yeah, just throw them out there. Open the yeah, show. Yeah, it could be super hot. But, uh, yeah, all in all, Raw was a good show, which is weird because they they're working towards nothing until Roadblock later this month. No, but the, the only thing I don't like is um, Enzo and Cass. Wait. Not just Enzo and Cass. But Xavier Woods cheating to win in back-to-back weeks. Oh, yo, they're in full heel tactics to get to this record. Yeah, and I don't know what this is leading towards. They've like, cheapened the record. Like, exactly. Somehow they've cheapened the record by making them only be able to win and hold on by flukes. We all know they were going to get there. Just let them win. And Big yeah, not... Spear scares the hell out of me every time I see it. Well, yeah, he needs to stop doing that shit. That motherfucker's going to die. Um, <laughs> but... You know, I'm, I'm a little confused at where they're heading towards this because the more that you start seeing Cesaro and Sheamus on screen, like that bar fight, which was paying homage to the 1974 movie The Wrestler, for those who didn't pay attention, but the more that you see these two on screen, you're kind of like, well, they got to be tag team champs eventually, they're right? They're getting better, right? Yeah, like they're, they're the chemistry more isn't as watch. bad as I once said it was. Yeah, like they're more and more fun to watch. So yeah. you, they got to be working towards to say Cesaro and Sheamus taking the titles off of the New Day. I feel like it's some type of... I, I, I originally thought it was going to be a four-way tag match for the titles. What, you name whatever stipulation you want, right? Tornado tag, something like that. Um, but now, to me, it's looking more like a three-way tag match between Gallows and Anderson, the New Day, and then you have Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah. Because they've yeah, been going I'm... back and forth with the New Day. The New Day cheated them both. So now the next angle may be them versus each other. The New Day just sit back to see who's the real number one contender for the pay-per-view. And then somehow they end up getting a wash, a disqualification or whatever it may be, double count out. And there's no true number one contender. And you see all three of them just mix it up. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, the New Day might like actually true. not get pinned and lose their titles. To stay yep. super strong in a three-way match. So, let that sink in. Gallows yeah, so and Anderson would be sacrificed in that situation. Again. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, like, Enzo and Big Cass, like, uh, I don't, you know, their comedy gimmick, it's, it's not like it's any less fun, but I need to see this transpire into something in the ring. And I'm not sure what that is yet. They're not going after but, a tag team. They're going after a singular person. Right. They're going after Rusev, who's, again... It's like, dude, why are you flashing my your junk in front of my wife? So you deserve to get your ass whooped. <laughs> I, I don't understand what they're doing with Rusev. Rusev is not like a heel's heel. He's like a sympathetic character in some points because it's like, dude, leave my Fight wife in the alone. Name of love, man. Fight yeah, it's in like the name of love. Like you're a dick. Like put your shit away in front of my wife. Roman Reigns, why you crash my wedding celebration? Like why are you people being dicks to me? He's trying to understand. prevent what happened on Insecure happening to him in real life. Yeah, true. That's it. True. This is what should have happened on Insecure. If he would have just stepped up and gave him a Rusev accolade, all that shit wouldn't have happened. Yep. We would have been fine. Rusev is showing people how to fight for love. And that's <laughs> whooping ass when someone, you know, just shakes it at your wife. Oh, goodness. Right. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, shout out to Raw. Hopefully their pay-per-view. Their pay-per-views haven't been bad. So this is actually the best build-up to the pay-per-view. I feel like all this shit's going to be a wash when the Goldberg... 
Lesnar Royal Rumble comes back, they're going to have probably good weekly shows, and then Goldberg and, and Lesnar are going to take over the Rumble, eliminate everyone, and kind of just shit on everything that's been built. Right. Um, what else do we have outside of that? We have SmackDown, which it's the same old feuds. I'm not happy about SmackDown. SmackDown's regressed. Raw's gone forward. Yeah, SmackDown doesn't look good hanging in TLC. Um, Maybe it was too close to Survivor Series. Perhaps. Uh, the AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose feud. I mean, AJ finally kills James Ellsworth. Um, I just, you know, in hindsight, I'm really trying to figure out how, how much life this Ellsworth thing has because to basically sacrifice your champion to lose three times to James Ellsworth, which obviously he can't lose to Dean Ambrose at TLC, right? Like, he can't. It's not the, the law of physics doesn't doesn't allow that to happen, but does this lead to Dean Ambrose turning on Ellsworth? Or does this lead to Ellsworth turning on Dean Ambrose? Because one of the two have to happen. Oh, the Ellsworth turn on Dean Ambrose would be great, right? It feels Him like it's the only way it can go. The match? Yeah, it feels like the only way it can go. That's not it's, a bad angle, but then that just continues the storyline, which I do not want. Yeah, and then that's when it becomes a little problematic. What's so, the pay-per-view after that? Is it Rumble next? Yeah, they go right into Rumble. Okay, so you can continue it then. Fuck it. Right? You know. And then have Ellsworth in the Rumble? I prefer not to, but, and, and you know. They, there's 30 spots. <laughs> Ellsworth can't get one. Apollo Crews ain't taking one of them shit, so we might as well give it to Ellsworth. Right. So, I don't know. Um, overall, SmackDown, you know, it, it ends with the Wyatts going over on American Alpha, which I'm fine with. I get it. The Wyatts need to go ahead and take those titles off of Slater and Rhino. Good match, and, though. And then yeah. Alpha can come back to get the Revenge Ultimate Babyface status. Leading to a Bray Orton split. I mean, it seems like that's the only way you can eventually go, but maybe not. And I don't. More, Luke. More, Luke is looking at Orton kind of sideways. Yeah, there's something going on Luke here. Luke Harper is not a fan of Orton. Like, if you look at that final shot from SmackDown, Bray's in his pose, Orton's in his pose, and Luke is just glaring at Randy Orton. And Randy Orton during that promos, like, it's all up to you versus Kane. And Luke is like, "What the fuck? I've been here." You, you the new guy. It, it's very, uh, yeah. their whole storyline seems like Mean Girls to me. <laughs> it really uh, yeah. does. Like, uh, Bray is the established chick. Randy Orton's the new chick from Africa. And Luke Harper is the dumb chick who ended up really jealous and spilling the beans. It's the exact storyline for Mean Girls. Yeah, Make sure you yeah. guys check that out. I, I'm not sure where this whole thing ends up. Um, I feel like it's weird to have a go home show that's this really it's stale. It's 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 pretty stale. Um, you got Ziggler, and, you know, and the and the best thing kind of going for it, strangely enough, is Alexa Bliss. She's feels like she should be champion. The way that she's handled this Becky Lynch feud, and it's it, it's her mannerisms, her acting, her facial expressions, her promos. She's benefited the most off of any feud that's going on on SmackDown right now. Good on the mic. Um, it depends. Do they want to push Nikki Bella next? Um, then it kind of takes Becky out of the whole equation, though. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd like to see their feud continue because Becky was injured for a lot of it. Yeah. So we've seen a lot of talk. We've seen a lot of buildup, which Alexa Bliss, just to be honest, is better at than Becky Lynch. Um, she's better as a talker. She's more believable. Her heel character is way better. Um, Becky has a couple catchphrases, but nothing that wows you on the mic. But she's a better wrestler. Yeah. And we haven't is... seen them wrestle, and we haven't seen if Alexa Bliss can wrestle to that level. 
because putting Alexa Bliss in there with Nikki Bella is going to put people to sleep during matches. Well, we I think we got a way to go because we still got to find out who attacked Nikki Bella. Or they just say, fuck it, you'll never find out. WWE does that a lot. Um, things happen that you forget about them. But I don't think Nikki gets involved in this title feud until closer to Mania. Um, but right now, Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch is it's really kind of showing you that Becky's got some work to do on the mic. She's a great wrestler, but she's and, uh, not. Alexa might have work to do in the ring. We're going to find out. Right. And, you know, you still got women like Naomi and them slithering around. But the bottom line is I think Alexa has the most interesting um, path to a title here. You know, even Ziggler and Miz, you know, I'm thinking that they'll put on a pretty good ladder match. Um, I just, you know, if if Ziggler wins it back, fine. If Miz wins, I won't like it, but fine. Um, but you look elsewhere on this TLC card, and it's like Kalisto and Corbin in a chairs match? Like, I, I'm never a fan of the TLC pay-per-view because they put stupid stipulations for no reason. Dog, do you remember when they did the stairs match? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my God. It was Why TLC. was there a stairs match? <laughs> they did tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs. And I want to say it was like Ryback versus Big Show. Somebody's going to correct me because I'm not actively searching right no now. No one but... should know that shit. By the yeah, way, but off it... the top of their head, no one should know that. It was a stairs match. Who fights with the stairs? Why? How do you win that? Do you have to suplex someone on the stairs? No, you're just allowed to use stairs, which makes me believe like... You're always allowed to use stairs. Well, that's what I'm saying, like, which leads me to believe, like, why would I pick up a heavy-ass thing of stairs when I can just go grab a sledgehammer or a kendo stick or something that can wield easily? (laughs) Yes, and it falls count anywhere, like we saw. What the hell is the stairs about? Like, unless you're parading out many different types of stairs to just have ringside, like, can I have, like, a spiral staircase that I could beat the shit out of someone with? Or is it just the ring steps? It it makes no sense. Makes um, zero sense. It's as bad as that Ambrose Asylum match or whatever the hell it was when Christ shit was so. hanging on the top. Yeah, that was bad. That so, was the worst match. Uh, let's just give our predictions then before we get out of here. Yeah, go ahead. Let's go. Uh, Nikki Bella versus Carmella. No DQ match. Nah, Nikki Bella. Nikki Bella, yeah. Carmella is not ready for the big time. Uh, Kalisto versus Baron Corbin. Your favorite match of the night. Chairs match. Uh, Corbin needs a push, so he's got to go over. It just it doesn't make sense that you got to beat a guy that's half your size with chairs. I don't understand, but yeah. whatever. Big Bad Wolf sends Kalisto to live 205 or 205 yep. live. Um, the Miz versus Dolph Ziggler ladder match, which probably steals the show. I feel like Ziggler needs to get his title back, but then I just don't understand why they took it off him in the first place, just to have Miz face Zayn at Survivor Series. Um, but yeah, I think Ziggler needs to get this back. Um, hey. And I feel like I feel like this needs to somehow put Miz into the main event picture, because the SmackDown is very low on main event talent. Yeah, and Miz not, seems like there's not yeah. another heel though to face Ziggler after this if he wins. Corbin, Corbin's gonna get the IC title push. No, 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 no. We've already That's, done Corbin Ziggler. No, I, I don't know. Do um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. That's a tough one. If the Miz carries, if the Miz carries it, there's plenty of other people. Ambrose could challenge the Miz. You know, you can you can bring over uh, uh, doing nothing Sami Zayn to get revenge. They won't. At Rumble. If Rumble's the next pay-per-view, Sami Zayn gets his revenge at Rumble. I doubt it. I think Sami's in purgatory. But there's just not enough talent on SmackDown. Apollo Crews is nowhere to be found. He's on the back of a milk cart. He's on um, Superstars, if that shit still exists. Exactly. He's with so, the Ascension somewhere. Yeah, eating brunch. So, um, I hope Ziggler wins the title. I just I really don't know what they're doing with this IC title at this point. I'll take the uh, Miz in that one. 
Um, then we have Becky Lynch, Alexa Bliss tables match. I'm taking Becky Lynch with a Becky Lynch suplex through a table. Yeah, she got put through the table on the last episode, so it's usually a dead giveaway. I think Becky will win. Um, I'd like to see Alexa Bliss win. Her her character's done is much better now. Um, It'll all come down to what I see in the ring, but uh, yeah, Becky should win this match. Yeah, no one else is ready, so uh, let's just continue this feud. We haven't seen him enough in the ring. Uh, then we have Heath Slater and Rhino versus the Wyatt family. American Alpha doesn't interfere in any way, right? We're no. pretty much clear on that? All right. Um, I think the Wyatts go over clean. Bray Wyatt actually wins back-to-back pay-per-view. Yeah, I think in order to legitimize the tag team division, I mean, you could have Rhino and Slater go over to show that they're a real tag team that can, they can win. But when you have a, a force like the Wyatt family with a, a legend in Randy Orton and a guy like Bray Wyatt, they should carry the tag team titles. Um, it's a great way um, to make Bray Wyatt strong again, by the way. Exactly. Unless the only the only other thing that I can possibly see is they don't win the tag titles and one of them gets involved in the main event if the title switches. That's all. All right. I mean, as sooner or later, they're going to split and one will get involved in the main event. Yeah. Um, or maybe they just try to run SmackDown and Bray goes for the IC title next against Ziggler. And Randy goes for the main event picture, and they still both hold the tag titles. Fuck it. Right? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything to make the Wyatts the most dominant faction on SmackDown. Um, main event, AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, tables, ladders, right. and chairs, and for the honor of Ellsworth. Um, I think Styles needs to go over. I think if my theory is holding true, there's, they're going to start working towards an Undertaker-John Cena-WrestleMania match through this match, which means AJ Styles would win and Undertaker would challenge for the title at Royal Rumble against AJ Styles. It's a lot of fantasy booking going on here. Shit. So Taker takes the title off of Styles? Yeah. And then I goes against Cena? Goes against Cena at WrestleMania in a title versus career match. It's, it, I'm, I'm shooting for the stars here. but Well, that's not bad because you don't want Undertaker to end his career prematurely. Right. So he'd so have I, to have the title, correct? Yeah. So I figure that AJ Styles at this point, he's got to go over on Ambrose because clearly he's the best talent on SmackDown. Wrestling, talking, he's top heel. Um, and it's a TLC match. And, and losing to uh, Ellsworth has only strengthened my case that he has to win this match. Because if he loses, then it's, what did you do? You just destroyed a character. Uh, not that he can't come back from it, but TLC match should be AJ Styles. Should be a great match, and I'm picking AJ Styles to go over. I'll take AJ Styles as well. I like your theory on Ellsworth costing Ambrose. That'll be dope. Maybe they just do an Ambrose Ellsworth angle or something. Um, Maybe just those two to themselves, and that's how you get Ambrose away from the main picture, allowing someone like the Undertaker to come in. Um, that that'd be interesting. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Once again, SmackDown, if this is their last pay-per-view before Rumble, they have a lot of time to kill after this and to build storylines. So there's no better time to just shake the deck, freshen it up. Um, That's our show for this week, though. Thanks, everyone, for staying through and listening to us. Make sure you guys check us out on all social media at The Corner LSN. Check me out at Kel Dansby on all profiles. Yeah, me at Andreas Hill. And we'll be back next week with a recap of all this stuff. Recap of the Ultimate Fighter, previewing UFC 206, 
in Toronto, and I'm sure any other craziness that happens to pop up. We are two weeks away from our annual, now annual, um, award show. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. I'm going to be sending out flyers uh, on social media for people to participate in our yearly ciphers. Last year was dope. I got to do it again. I want to put together two or three this year. So if you guys know anyone who rhymes, who's dope, kind of on the unknown end of things, need some good publicity, you want to show off what your city, your state, whatever may be into, make sure you hit us up. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can DM us, um, email us, whatever it may be. Everything is out there on our profiles. Make sure you let us know who should be in our yearly ciphers this year. Can't wait to have it. Until then, though, next week's show is coming soon. We're out. Peace. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.